What up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of 94 Feet with Coach JT. Um, thank you guys for listening in. Please subscribe, leave a like. Just let me know what you think, man. As I continue to keep and grow this podcast journey and have some really dope people on every show. Man, again, I appreciate your support. Today, we got a, a, a dope, another dope person. I always say my guests are dope, so and, and they are, for sure. Um, this gentleman is uh, 31 years of age. He's born and raised in Seattle, Washington. He's a basketball skills development coach and head coach of the FBC NW Alliance 17U, a girls, a youth girls basketball program out of a Northwest um, mission. In the empowerment, he's into the empowerment of young women and help them to get an athletic scholarship to college. Um, again, from I'm seeing this gentleman from afar, he's definitely dedicated to his craft. Mr. Cartier French Tony, how you doing today? What's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, I appreciate you, bro. Um, as we know, like I said, all my shows right now, as the show says, 94 feet, bro. We're going to jump right into these, to this action, this information. Um, coming from Seattle, um, up there, you know, home of was the Supersonics years ago. Just uh, basketball, sports in general, man. Has uh, it always been hoop for you, or what's been the, the first love for, for, for yourself, man, as far as the sports game? To be honest, it has. It's all. I've always played basketball since I was a kid. Uh-huh. But hoops hasn't always been like my first love. My first love was really soccer. Okay. And I tell everybody that I'm like, I love soccer. Like I love soccer more than I love basketball. Okay. But I didn't like going to soccer practice. <laughs> I hated practices. Like it was right. just it wasn't fun to me. What was fun was the game and scoring goals and stuff like that it was really fun to me. Mm-hmm. But I hated going to practice. Like I didn't like practicing soccer, but I love like practicing basketball and going to basketball practice. So by the time when I got to ninth grade, I just stopped playing soccer. I stopped playing football, and I stopped playing baseball, and I just focused on basketball. Okay, so man, focusing on hoop up there in Seattle during that period of time for you, who are some influential uh, people? Again, we all had our idols, whatever, growing up. Uh, who would you like look after, or look up to, or whatever kind of mimic the game after during your 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 growing process? I mean, like you talked about, we had the Supersonics up here. So, to me, my idol was Gary Payton. GP. I looked up to GP. Like, when I was a kid for AAU, I wore number 20 every year. Like, that was my number until I lost my jersey in eighth grade, and then I had to get a different number. But up until then, from fourth grade to eighth grade, I wore number 20. Like, I wanted to be like GP. I wanted to play defense like the glove. And I wanted to talk shit, like, while I was playing, like, because that's mm-hmm. what I saw GP do. He would lock people up, and then he would talk shit to you the whole game. Oh, always getting into it with dudes. So I was like, man, that's me when I play basketball. Like, that's who I'm going to be. Yeah, that's what's up, Gary Payton from the Bay Area, man. Um, so let's go. Let me, let's give me information about, say, your 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 high school career. When you said, I think you said high school, you really kind of stopped the soccer, stopped the other sports. Um did you have any goals off the back jumping or just like I'm a hoop because I love the game or no, nah, I want to try to do something with this at that point? I mean, when I was younger, it was just like, man, I'm just hoping like, you know, like I'm like every other kid. I'm just playing basketball. I'm just playing like, you know, and that's part of it where I kind of messed up as a person. And you know, I have the accountability now as an adult is that when I was playing, I was just like, oh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing basketball. Like, and I wasn't worried about like the school part of it. Like, I didn't even think nothing about like school and grades at the time I was just like man I'm just playing basketball like I'm hoping like I'm good like somebody's gonna give me a scholarship like or something like something's gonna come about from it but I never thought about the academic side of it and then you know I never really played for you know coaches who really like push for you like to help you get places or like really help you with your recruitment so like I mean those kind of things hinder me but at the end of the day it was on me that 
I didn't take care of my academics, like, you know, so that kind of messed me up in the big picture of things. Okay. So during that time, um, even if you, without the pushing of the coaches, how fun or not fun was your high school career at that point? You play high, you play high school basketball locally or how was that? Yeah, locally. How yeah, was that experience? It was, it was, it was, it was cracking. Like it was popping back then. Like, especially when I came into high school, like I came in high school 0405, um, and that year of 0405, we had three McDonald's All Americans out of the state of Washington. Jeez. So it was like at, it was at that point in time where it was like Washington basketball was really arriving. You know, like okay. it's like we're here now. Like you know, that was the year. Um, Michael Downs was a McDonald's All American. John Brockman was a McDonald's All American, and Martel Webster was a McDonald's All American. Okay. That was the year Martel came out of uh, high school straight to the to NBA. The league, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you had that class. Then you had, like, uh, Mitch Johnson was part of that class. Uh, Marcus Williams and, and Terrence Williams were coming up. Like, it was just, you know, it was the peak. It was the time. You know, when I was in seventh, eighth grade, state championship was Nate Robinson, Roderick Stewart, Roderick Stewart. Like, basketball oh. was at the height, like, in that early yeah. 2000s. That's that's dope. Man, speaking of that local, uh, Jamal Crawford, I'm a, I He's all. Is he from Seattle somewhere, or is he from up there? Yeah, or where? from Seattle. He's so, from Seattle. have you ever been to them pro am games, bro? Have I? How? How? I. I mean, I only watch video. I've never got the opportunity to make it up there, bro. But I love the atmosphere. How is it to be there live, man? It's it's dope. It's a great experience. I mean, it's it's a little. To me, it's a little bit more commercialized now yeah. than it was like when it first started. Because like when it first started, um, actually Doug Christie started the pro am, and Doug Christie passed it off okay. to Jamal. And they used to do the pro-am at Rainier Beach High School, though. So it used to be like, it was like, it was in the hood, you know? Yeah. So like, it was a hood thing, you know? And then now, you know, it became a little bit more popularized. So they had to move it to more of a central location. Mm-hmm. It was at Seattle Pacific University, which is in, like, Capitol Hill. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's far removed from the hood, you know? So, but I get it, and I understand it. You know, they opened it up to college kids now. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's free. It's no charge. Like, okay. you know, so it's more for the people now, you know? Back then, it was like you would have everybody hooping, <laughs> like everybody, people, old hood legends that, you know, still had game mm-hmm. but didn't go to college, didn't go overseas. The pros, the pro-am dudes, semi-pro, the high school kids up and coming. Like, I played in it when I was in high school, yeah. so, like, I don't want to seem like old, but, like. Hey, 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 you good, man. You 31, you straight, man. You good. <laughs> when I was in high school and it was at Rainier Beach, I played in it, so it's just. You know, it's a great experience, like, especially for all the kids. I, like, I feel that allure and that same feeling that you feel when you step on the court and you're like, man, I'm out here playing against Jamal Crawford today. You know, and he's going to hoop in that program till, till he dies, you know, and that means a lot to people coming up. Because, like, for me, like, when I was playing, I was playing against, like, Donald Watts, who was, like, 1999 Gatorade Player of the Year in Washington, one of the greatest Huskies ever, playing mm. against, like, Will Conroy and all these other dudes oh. that I had looked up to and seen and. Now I'm on the same quarters you, so it's like it's a surreal moment. That's, that's super dope, man. I see. Uh, shout out to It too, man. I know he's out there. That dude just defying odds, man. Him and Nate, man. You know what I'm saying? Defying odds from up there. Uh, again, that experience. Like, I mean, I was watching videos, bro. But it's like, man, I gotta get there one time, man. I want to just go and just sit in the crowd, just be in the environment. Um, high school basketball, bro. So your high school career. Let me just ask you this: um, How dedicated were you at your craft during high school time? Was it, you know, I again, mean, you're a trainer was, now, so. It was, it's a different way. I tell everybody this, like, it's like, it's a different time. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, 
I used to, I, I didn't really work on my game a lot as I should have. Like we would go hoop, like we would go play fives and we would run, but I wasn't getting like the skill development and skill training like I needed, you know, like and it took me a while. Probably to like my senior years when I really started going to the gym every day, like my high school coach, rest in peace, Calvin Johnson, he would show up every day at six forty on the dot, like not a minute early, not a minute late. Like he was there at six forty every day. And I just had to get there at 640 every day and I could get in the gym every morning. So I started doing that my senior year and getting on the gun. And, you know, that was about as much work as I would put in. Besides that, I was like, hey, let's go hoop. Like, we hooping today. Like, we late night, all right, Friday. Like, we would have high school games. This is why I'd be like, the kids don't hoop enough because we would have games Friday night. And right as the game's over, we straight to Rainier Community Center to go play 5 on 5 some more. Like, and then Saturday night, we hitting all the homies. We all going to Rainier, and we all going to hoop again. Like, So it just, to me, I was like, we was just always hooping. Like, we didn't take time. Like, oh, I got to work on my ball handling. You know, I got to work on my, on my pull-up. I got to work yeah. on my catch and shoot. I got to work on my pass, and I got to work on my pick and roll game. Like, I was like, all right, well, I'm about to go to the gym. I'm going to get on this gun and get these shots up, and we're going to hoop. Like, wow. That live action, man, that, that's that cool. We just wanted to play. It didn't care until you had to call us home. You had to call us home, yeah. man. <laughs> my, mom, sure. my mom wasn't tripping. You all night. <laughs> yeah, I could be out all night. That's she wasn't up. tripping. That's what's up. Um, give me a few highlights, man, from your senior year. Because, I mean, like you said, you was in a time out there where, where Hoop was popping. It was big. I'm sure was, you played against some good talent, had a good run. Or just give me a couple highlights, man, from your high school career, man. Man, I don't, I don't really have too many because my team, we never made it to state. Like, we always competed. Mm-hmm. You know, we was good. We was one of the... Like, we wasn't upper tier. Like, Rainier Beach was the best high school team. And at Cleveland, we was, like, second fiddle. Like, we was, like, below Rainier Beach. Like, we would finish second place every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's not really, like, I, my senior year, I, I don't really have that many highlights. Like, I just, all I remember is losing, like, and not going to state. Like, that's all I remember. You, you, you valued it high. You wanted to win a state. That would have been the Yeah, highlight. I mean, I've always, I've always valued winning. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's what was important to me. Like, I didn't care about my numbers. I didn't care about my stats. I didn't care about nothing. Like, I always felt like numbers were empty, like, if we didn't win. Okay. Yeah. Like, we would, have, we would have good games. Like, we would have competitive games, but we wouldn't win. So, it wouldn't mean nothing. You know, I would do well. We wouldn't win. So, it didn't mean nothing. Different mindset, different mindset for sure. I mean, I still take that mindset to this day. Like I be telling people all the time, like you had thirty, but you lost. Like mm. empty stats. Like no good game, but you lost. Like yeah, so that's I just I just want to win more than I want to lose. Like I get it. Um, so come out of high school, um, colleges. What what what's this, what's the step for you at this point? I mean, again, we we've all we both been seventeen, eighteen at that point. You ready to go to high school? Yeah, like I tell the what's kids, on your mind? Man, you seventeen, eighteen, no looks. You laying at the ceiling every night. Like, what's next? What's yeah. gonna happen? Like, what am I gonna do? Um, for me, I didn't know what I was gonna do. So, actually, I had to come back and do a fifth year of school just to finish. Um, education wise, you know, just to catch up on some credits for me being behind. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was next, you know, and I had I had played like in the spring I played a, a tournament with like Donald Watts and you know Craig Jackson for Franklin. He was like telling me like you know Eastern's been reaching out, they were interested in you. Did your coach, high school coach, tell you? And I'm just like, no, I never heard anything, you know. And then my senior year, it's like wow. I'm looking at the stands every game, like man, is there a recruiter in here, man? Let me see who I don't know. Um, so for me, I just I didn't know what was next, and then I started going to like some 
local like community center or community college open runs mm-hmm. and stuff with uh, one of my friends, Fred Wilson, because, you know, he was trying to figure out what was next for him at the same time. So we was going to like Tacoma Community College, which was like 25, 30 minutes mm-hmm. uh, south of us. I mean, they had a real established program there with Carl Howe and uh, R.J. Barsh. R.J. Barsh assistant at uh, Boise State now. And uh, Carl's just a NWAC legend. Like, every – Carl coached at TCC, won at TCC, left and went to Eastern. The program kind of fell apart. When Coach Mosley took the job, Carl came back. Right when he came back, instant winner. Hmm. So, you know, I went there to open gym, and I'm killing the open gyms. I'm killing. And they're like, man, we need to get you here, like – you know, like, we need to get you here. And so, like, I, I decided I was going to go to TCC. Um, you know, it was, like, the first school that was interested in me, first school that wanted me. I knew Carl would get people out, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm going here. Like, you know, I'm killing these niggas in open gym. Like, I'm killing them. Like, I'm going at them. But at the same time, my personality and who I was kind of rubbed all them dudes the wrong way. Like, mm-hmm. I would come in there to open gym, and I'm talking smack the whole open gym. I'm winning the open gym. I'm not losing games certain days. I'm walking around. It's my gym. It's my gym. You know, Seattle and Tacoma already got like a little like rivalry, mm-hmm. like in a little beef just because like Seattle, Tacoma, like, so it just it rubbed a bunch of the dudes there the wrong way. So they was just kind of telling Coach Barsh, like, you know, we don't really want them, mm-hmm. you know, just because of who I am, you know, part of that, I felt like people were threatening at the same time too. Like, you feel like somebody coming in and take your job. So, you know, he called me one day. I was actually at the gym working out. And he's like, you know, I'm gonna have to tell you, you know, you know, we want you, but you know, you're gonna have to redshirt. Mm. And I, I, I said, bro, I'm not redshirting at no effing community college. Like, mm-hmm. so I ended up going to Olympic Community College in Bremerton, where my grandma had stayed. I had went to open gym there one time, and I had just stayed in contact with the coach. And I was just like, hey, man, I'm looking for somewhere to play. Is it too late? Like, he's like, nah, it's good, you know. And it ended up working out because my grandma lived out there, so I didn't have to find somewhere to stay. And, you know, the tuition would be taken care of and stuff like that. So I ended up going to Olympic Community College in Bremerton, Washington, which is a two-year school. It's in the NWAC, and the NWAC consists of, like, Washington Junior Colleges and Oregon Junior Colleges. Okay. So you get there, and, again, I know I know it's like to, to, to go to college close to grandma, so that's, that's a blessing for them as well to have grandkids around, grandson around during that time because it was crucial for me doing that. So um, you get up there, man, just – how was that environment, though? I mean, you're not too far from home, but now you really kind of, like, you got to handle your own business up there. And like you said, you had a little experience at the other school. How'd it go for you during that? During those two, you stayed two years or what? I stayed. Actually, I stayed three. Okay. Because I, uh, I broke my fit. The summer after yeah. my freshman year, I broke my fibia and my tibia in a summer league playing basketball. Mm. Shit just snapped in half How- and, like, in, like, the end of July, too. Like, Jeez. How was that so mental I- on you, bro? <laughs> took a toll on me, took a toll mentally. Like, you know, like I question myself if I would ever play again, you know, mm. I question if I would be the same player again. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know who I would be afterwards and what I, and what I would become. But I mean, it was good for me to go through that. Like, you know, it helped with my mental strength and my mental toughness. Um, me sitting out actually after my freshman year, it's, it's partially, no, I'm not even going to say partially, it's a lot of the reason why I'm coaching right now and like doing training and stuff like that. Because I got the my, – my coach, I wanted to play. He wouldn't allow me to play, though. He Because I got cleared, like, October. I got cleared, like, six weeks after, maybe, after my surgery. Like, six to eight weeks after or something like that. Hmm. But I got cleared in, like, October. And I'm like, I'm good to go. Like, you know, I'm dragging one leg on the ground. Like, I shouldn't have been out there playing. But, 
Mm. I just wanted to wheel myself out there and I wanted to play, but he forced me to sit out. And with that, I had to sit on the bench all year. I sat next to him, second chair. Mm-hmm. I kept stats. I kept timeouts. I kept fouls, fouls for our team, fouls for the other team. I had to wear polo slags, dress shoes, yeah. polo every day. So, I mean, you know, for me, I wear, I wear hoop, shirt, hoop shorts and a hoodie every day. Yeah. So I'm uncomfortable already. But then just sitting in that chair, it made me look at the game completely different in a way that I had never looked at it before in my life. Mm-hmm. I had never seen the game like this because I had never sat here and really watched the game from the bench. I'd always been on the court and I'd always play, you know, and I'm asking coach, like, you're telling them what to do. Like, it's wide open. <laughs> Why aren't they doing it? He just turns around. He said, that's the beauty of coaching. You see, you got to be able to get your players to do it and execute it. Yeah. And I took that gym with me forever and that was just some small game he gave me that he probably don't even remember or realize that he said to me yeah that's 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 that he put you in that spot so which, i mean he, he groomed you like he put he, 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 he definitely he allowed he allowed me to like he allowed me to coach on the sidelines he allowed me to say things like i didn't have to just sit there and be quiet you know like but i also had a great relationship with him because i would sit in his office every day and i like, talked to him every day like i talked to the coach i talked to my head coach every day because he was also our, our athletic director so he was at school every day. Like, you know, that was my guy. Like, he looked out for me. Like, you know, that's what's like my last two years. Like, you know, he looked out for me. Even at the end, you know, I feel like, you know, how I, how it ended wasn't well. But mm-hmm. partially again, like I said, that's um that's on me. But outside of that, like he looked out, got me a job up there. He was letting me like drive the vans to the game and back. And then I was able to sign those on my timesheet for work. So I was picking up extra bread, like. You know, like finessing the system, but you know that was all because he looked out and we had a good relationship. That's what's up. That's that's definitely crucial. So I was want to ask about the that rehab process, though, man. I know a lot of people go through injuries, major injuries. Uh, what was that like? Give me a little example of what you had to do to get back during that time. If you, know what I mean, it was it was tough. Like I almost had to like reteach myself how to walk to a point. Like you know, like. Cause I was after surgery, I had to get in a cast because they said it hadn't removed this like the tissue or something like it was like scabbing up and like it just needed to heal and it would fall off like naturally. So I I was in a cast too after the surgery. Like I was in a long cast and they put me in a small cast. Then I was in a boot for a minute and I had basically had to learn how to walk again. Like mm. for that being able to walk again and I had to basically it's kind of like doing like ACL surgery. I was having to bend my knee again and. You know, like, and getting it to a certain point, and that shit was tough. Like, and rehab was tough. And there was days where, you know, I would leave there. I was sore. I was hurting. I was in pain. Like, yeah. it just becomes draining, like, mentally. Like, it's just hella draining. Like, that's the biggest part. Like, I see why sometimes people don't want to come back and don't want to play after injuries and don't want to persevere through it because it takes a lot out of you. It's it, And you're in a dark and you're in a lonely place because – Nobody else knows what you're going through and nobody else feels what you're going through. And it's just, it's just you. Like, yeah. it's just you. Like, there was times where it was just me at the crib. Like, I'm showering. I got to put a plastic bag over my leg. I got my legs sticking out the shower so it don't get wet. I'm mm-hmm. trying to wash the rest of my body. Like, I'm at the crib by myself because me and Shorty done got into it. So she's not there. My grandma done went out of town. I got nobody there taking care of me. I can't, I can't even get up and go to the bathroom, so I'm peeing on the side of the bed into a cup. Like, yeah. it, was, it was a lot. Like, it was tough. Like, but, you know, I look back on it, and it's like you look back and you're like, those things make you who you are today. Facts. Facts. For sure. For sure. So you go through your uh, three years of JC level. Uh, 
whether and you say uh, they didn't go too well at the finishing part of it, but then at that point in your career, I mean, in your life, uh, when you get ready to say, say it's over some whatever, what's what's what you thinking about now, man? Because again, high school, right? No, no, whatever. Look at the ceiling. End up there. Now you're like, okay, is it start over again, or what's the process? Where your where's your head at, at the end of your, your your third year at the JC? Man, JC was a, it was a little different vibe because I had my uncle Ian French. He was like he came back into my life maybe mm-hmm. like my like that that year I got hurt. He started like reaching out and started emailing me, okay. and I hadn't talked to him and. I can't even tell you the last time I talked to him. He lived in Canada, so he just found my email. He's been following me on social media. Okay. Um, he started reaching out and just talking to me and helping me. And he really helped, like, my recruitment coming out of junior college because he emailed. And that's why I try to tell all these parents, like, you got to be proactive. At the same time, you're dependent on these AAU programs. You got to mm-hmm. be proactive. I'm like, my, my, my last year at Juca, my uncle, he emailed every D2, every D3, every NAI. Every school in Canada, he emailed every school in America. <laughs> he didn't sell, he didn't sell us short at all. Oh, okay. He had a long, like, little profile that right. he put together for me and stuff like that. And he sent it out everywhere, and he had a bunch of schools and a bunch of coaches contacting me. And he had a bunch of coaches contacting my uh, college coach. So I had a bunch of looks, and you know, but it came back to the same story as high school grades. I didn't take care of my academics. Academics, baby. And so even now, I'm still, like, I still ain't finished school, like, and I need to. Like, mm-hmm. I keep telling myself I'm going to, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm three classes, like, literally three classes away from getting my AA, like, okay. literally. And I just haven't done it, you know. Mm-hmm. If I look back on it, I would have took those three classes because it's math and English. I would have took those two right when I got there and just right. knocked them to mental. And then I'll be done by now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it comes back to the same thing where it's grades, you know. Like, I got schools calling and, you know. I'm mm-hmm. hearing that famous famous question. Mm-hmm. Can you send me a copy of your transcript? Mm-hmm. I know what's happening after I send my transcript. There's nothing we can do. I'm going to send it, you know, because right. I ain't going to run from it. But, but it's like I knew, like, I, I fucked myself. Like, you know, like, I knew it. Like, you know, like, as soon as I had to send my transcript, I was like, it's over. Like, you know, yeah, it's over. But, I mean, fortunately, like, in Canada – they played by like they have like different rules as far as like getting you into school and stuff like that. And so um there's actually a school reached out, Quest University. Um, talked to the coach. He said he's gonna come down, he's gonna watch me play in the summer because um Marvina had put on his summer league at uh, North Seattle Community College for the college kids for like mm-hmm. Utah players. This is before Jamal's pro am. This is part of the reason why Jamal's pro am went to going to be for free mm-hmm. and letting the college kids come in because you couldn't charge the NCAA doesn't allow you to mm-hmm. charge. So Marvina put on a league at first league was at Green Lake and then it transferred to North Seattle Community College. So she put on the league for the college players. And, you know, if you're a local college player, you play junior college and for the UW guys in Mm -hmm. Seattle, you to play and give them something to do in the summer. So the coach came down to watch me play versus Abdul Gaddy. He was like, I'm down, watch you play this week. I was like, cool. I play versus Abdul Gaddy. He's like, perfect. So I come down, I have a good game. You know, I'm hooping. Talk to him afterwards. He's like, I'm not going to, he's like, I'm going to be honest with you. We were 0 18 last year. He was like, if you come here, you know, it's going to be different. You're going to be starting point guard. Ball's going to be in your hands. You know, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, I'm coming. Like, I, I ain't got nothing else at this point. It's August. I'm not about to sit at the crib for school, another year. School, get ready to start for sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm coming, like, you know, like, I'm coming. I don't matter the situation. 
ain't never been to Canada. I mean, I'm not saying I ain't never been to Canada because I have family that lives there. I ain't never been to Squam. It's just a little small town, mm-hmm. like 35, 40 minutes north of Vancouver. I ain't never, I ain't never been there. I don't know nothing about the school. I don't mm-hmm. know nothing, but I'm coming. Like I ain't got nothing else. I'm coming. I don't care. You were 0 and 18. I don't care. I'm coming. I just, I gotta get out of the town, and I gotta continue to hoop. So, so that's why I ended up. I ended up at uh, Quest University in Squamish, British Columbia. I mean, obviously my grades weren't great, but since it was a private school and they had their own, like how you got in, like he was able to get me in through admissions and stuff like that. Um, I just I had to sit out the first semester mm-hmm. of basketball because of my grades, and then second semester I was able to come back and play. So I played basically a year and a half there. Okay, how was how was it being up there actually hooping? What is the hooping style any different? Definitely, they soft. Like <laughs> they soft. This is a different brand of basketball. Yeah. Um, it was a culture shock for me, really. It was a real culture shock. Like it was real. Like everybody, like the small towns, a bunch of hippies, like. It's a, it's a different type of crowd at Quest. Like, definitely a different crowd than what I'm accustomed to. So it was a culture shock, for real. And then just being away from home was hard. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the first time in my life I ever been away from home. Like, really away from home. Like, when I went to Olympic, I was only an hour away. So I could get on the ferry whenever I wanted. Like, I could get on the ferry or I could drive back. Either way, it's going to be an hour. So I'm right back in the hood. Like, hour, you know, I'm getting on the ferry. Oh, I want to go back. I had a shorty at the time. I would go back every day and see her, like, I'm going back home all the time. So when I got to Canada, it's four-hour ride. Like, it's a four-hour bus ride. You got to go across the border. I ain't going home. My phone, my cell phone didn't work out there because I had an American plan. Man. So I ain't got no phone. <laughs> At the time, I had, like, because this is back when you could, like, jailbreak your iPhones and yeah. put the latest iOS on there and stuff like you could do. So I had done that. So that messed up my phone. So my phone wasn't working. I wasn't going home for, like, two, three months. So I was no phone for a couple months. Like, yeah, it was just rough. Like, it was rough. Like, I didn't leave my room. Like, I didn't leave my room up there. Like, I would stay in my room. I would go to class, go to practice, work out, back to my room, you know, like. I just, I didn't get out of my comfort zone and it took me a while to get out of my comfort zone. And then finally, when I got out of my comfort zone, I was like, okay, it's actually, it's really cool. Like, you know, like it's not bad here. You know, you just got to adjust to the people and you got to get to know them and welcome them. They weren't raised like you were, you were raised, but you know, adjust to them and they'll adjust to you, you know, like, so even on the basketball court, it was a culture shock, you know, like we would play like, so like in Canada, um, NCAA schools, they go up to Canada sometimes and they like do those tours where like mm-hmm. they play Canadian schools in the summer. Mm-hmm. So my school, we play like um, Northwestern State out of Louisiana. Um, we play Cal State Northridge and we play Eastern Washington. And like we would be playing these teams and I'm telling like we're getting smacked obviously because we're not that good. But I'm telling like the dudes on the bench, I'm like, these niggas are weak. Like they're weak. <laughs> like. These niggas are weak. They're like, what do you mean? They're beating us by 50. I'm like, bro, I could go get five people from the hood right now. We will smack them. Like, mm-hmm. they're not good. Like, I could go back home and grab five dudes, and we will smack them. Like, and they're just looking at me crazy. Like, I'm they're like, different. where I'm from? Like, they're not good. Like, mm-hmm. like, they're not. Like, you know? So it was just the mentality, you know, was completely different. Like, you know, and it was funny because after I would say that, some of the dudes on the team, they would come back and they would mimic me, like, before practice. These niggas is weak. Like, you know, <laughs> mimicking me. Not saying a word, but, you yeah. know, just mimicking me. 
But what I didn't understand and I see it now is that at the same time, I was having to shift the culture of a whole program who was 0-18, you mm-hmm. know, who was used to losing, mm-hmm. you know, who was used to being mediocre, you know? Yep, definitely. Coming here and I'm and I'm changing the culture. I'm changing the whole program. Like the program had like no identity before I got there. By the time I left, it was like we was the most hated. Like, cause I'm talking shit to everybody. I'm talking shit to coaches. I'm talking <laughs> shit to fans. Like, I'm just taking on a persona. Like it's us versus everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and I'm on and I'm on social media. Like we like our league was called the Pack West. And, I, and we used to call ourselves like a tribe called Quest runs the Pack West. And I used mm-hmm. to put that all on social media all the time. Like everybody on the team started taking the mock here and running with it. Like, yeah. So it was like, I just, I changed the whole culture. Like, and I, I, my, my coach, I don't, I don't think he'll ever give me credit, but everyone knows that like I was integral, you know, like to what went on up there, you know? And he's even said it, like I tell him all the time, like you even said it in the paper, like, never had a player like Cartier here ever. And I don't think we ever will. Like, you know, right. like even like when we play schools, other coaches would be like, why are you even here? Like, how are you playing in this league? Right. Right. They don't know the backstory behind it, but yeah, you know. I'm like, oh, shit, this is what happens when you don't take care of your school or right. like right. happens when you don't take care of your grades. You, you just end up in unfamiliar places and you become one of those one-off stories, you know, like I don't, I don't look back on the journey and be upset or be mad. Because I have hell of a time there. I got to hoop. I got to play, which most people don't get to really hoop and play. I got a lot of experience. I got to grow as a player. And then I got memories that I'll be able to cherish forever. Mm-hmm. Like, you can type in my name in Google for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. and there's something there. Like, my daughter, she can type in Google if she doesn't believe what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it'll pop up for her. So she can say, okay, dad wasn't capping. You know, as the kids would say, he's not capping. Right, yeah. That's what's up. Uh, that's how I looked at it too. Is like you know I, I had a career and I'm able to say like well, you know I did this. Like my second year in Canada, I averaged twenty one seven seven. Like at the end of the day, you could talk about the league, you could talk about this, you could talk about that. Still numbers. Like, as Larry June was say from the Bay, them is numbers. The numbers, regardless, <laughs> you got to put them up. So it's like I can speak from a from a personal experience. When you talk about going and getting twenty seven and seven, I can tell you how to go get 27 and seven. Cause I did it, you yeah. know, like I had games where I would go get 40. I would go get 30. Like, okay. So I'm showing you, I, I can tell you how to put this ball in the hoop. Cause I did it. You know, right. That's what's up. That's that's what they and that's the thing these kids they just show me show me ones they don't you gotta they they don't just go off that word. So like you talk about yeah, they showing, don't be wanting to believe you. They be yeah. like, man, you was not yeah. good. And we talk about showing me right. So let's see, like, how, got into this in this this coaching training thing, man. What what made that shift? What caused that shift for you, or that made you make that jump, bro? At this point, at this point in time, where you at now? What what you what got you into that? I mean, um, I just I knew like. You know, at a certain point, you you know, like, it's over. Like, <laughs> it's over. Like, you know, yeah. like, I knew it. Like, in Canada, like, you knew it. Like, I just I knew, like, it was over after this, you know? Like, you know, I thought, like, maybe I could parlay this into, um, I thought I could parlay it into, um, you know, an overseas career or something, you know, because I've seen other dudes in the league do it. But once I had, once I had, like, got the mother of my child pregnant, I was just like, nah, this is it for me, you know? Like, I want to go home. Like, I want to be a dad. Like, you know, I want to be a father. Like, um, we was hosting um, nationals my second year. So, like, I knew, like, once nationals was over, I was like, I'm going back to the crib. Like, it's over for me. Like, school, I don't, I don't like, you know, people are trying to convince me to stay. My uncle trying to convince me. Hmm. 
you know, this time now I'm in Canada. So my uncle, he lived from my school, maybe like an hour and a half away. He came to every game. Like, you know, he came to the home games, came to the away games. He said, every game now, he's mad at me. He's pissed because I'm not staying. Like, you know, and I want to leave. And I'm telling him I'm leaving. You know, I done said it on social media, you know. My time, my days here are numbered, you know. People mm -hmm. trying to convince me, but I'm my mind was made up. Like, you know, and I'm one of those. Once my mind's made up, it's done. Like, there ain't no, there ain't no turning back. None at all. So. For me, I just knew that, you know, I got a kid at home. I'm done hooping. I want to get into coaching. Like, you know, I'd already started kind of like training, like the year going into my last year at Quest, like coming back in the summer. I had like started training. There was a couple of dudes I started training. There was a freshman in high school I started working with. And, you know, the training, you know, these dudes started getting good. They started doing their thing. The freshman kid, man, first game, he come out of high school, 28. Next game, 32. I'm like, who oh, we're on to something here. Like, yeah. you know, like, okay, I might, I might have something special here, you know? That's what you mean. So for me, it was just like, okay, I, I'm doing the training. And then now I just, I want to coach. Like, you know, I've coached. I want to be around basketball. I want to be involved. So by the time I came home, I kept doing my training thing. And then I just told some people at Seattle Rotary, like, you know, I want to coach. So my old coach for seventh and eighth grade, Andrew Bernard, he was like, come be my assistant. But I already knew what that entailed. Coach Drow don't come to the games on the weekends, man. He lets the assistants handle it a lot of times. Like, he gonna come to practice. He gonna run the practices. Yeah. But on the weekend, like, it's on me. Like, and that's exactly what it was. He was like, I'm gonna let you do your thing. Like, he came to practice. He kind of mentored me and, you know, showed me the ropes and showed me how to do things. And then from there, I kind of, like, took it and I kind of put my own twist on practices. Like, so like he's a lot, he was real team oriented and doing team drills, mm -hmm. and I was more player development. Where we breaking up and we doing ball handling, finishing moves, and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. So I took that aspect and I took that and put it on the kids, and we started getting way better. Like this is like before like the inside hand layup mm -hmm. and the same hand layup became pop really popular in like 2014. I was having kids in fifth grade shooting that inside hand layup, shooting that same foot same hand layup. And I started working on it myself personally in 2013. At the end of my first year in Quest, I started working on it in the spring because I seen Steve Nash doing it. I seen Steve Nash with the same for same hand mm -hmm. runners, same for same hand finishes. So I started doing it myself. Like, and I'm like, oh, this works. Like, you got to have this in your bag as a mm -hmm. little guard. So I'm teaching the kids that, and I'm seeing them get better. We're winning games. Like our fifth grade year, we had a hell of a run all year. We probably didn't lose more than maybe six or seven games all year. We won the President's Day tournament in uh, Portland. We beat, like, Yellow Jackets out of, like, SAC mm -hmm. by 20. Ran them out the gym. The fans is over there talking crazy. Zach <laughs> Aaron. Um, after that, we played a team flight, which is from NorCal. Smacked in by 20 in the championship. They was one of the best teams on the West Coast. And we just running through things in our area after that. And then we go to national or not nationals. We go to Vegas and we end up losing the flight elite this time in the semifinals, like a game before we could have played Houston hoops. But I mean, we just had a, a hell of a run that fifth grade group. Like I tell people all the time, I'm going to look back and like that fifth grade group, we're going to talk about that and be like, that year was special, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like fifth grade. It don't really mean nothing. Right. But to me, like, it means something because that was my first year ever coaching. So I'll never yeah. forget it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never forget it. So, 
I mean, it's just in the last, in a few years, it's just it's been all learning experience. It's all been, you know, about learning and growing. You know, fortunate for myself, I've, I've been able to do a lot. Um, I've coached AAU, fifth grade, sixth grade boys, fifth and sixth grade girls, you know, 16U girls. I coach high school varsity girls. I've helped train a couple of pros. Um, and now we got this new program that we just started, and now I'm head coach of that again. So, I mean, I've done it at every level, AAU, high school, varsity, now back to AAU. So, I mean, it's just it's all been growth during this time. That's what's up. So, and you still, I mean, via, via age limit for me, you're, still, you're young in the game too, so you got time. What's You got any, like, I mean, you got any goals with I know, again, some people like AAU that are rocking for a while. You've been in high school setting. I mean, what's next? What you thinking? You might, you know, again, I know because the, the networking and the exposure is good for coaches too in AAU. Like, it's not just players. They look at coaches sometimes, or if you can get kids, as they say. And is there anything else, like, you want to get, get to that college level, get to get on that first bench? I don't really want to. Like, I, I my, my, my goals have kind of changed in the last, like, six months. For me, I, I was big and heavy, and, like, you can look at some of my other podcasts and some of the other stuff that I've done. I mm-hmm. would say, like, I wanted to do player development, like in the league, like that was big, you know, but mm-hmm. after spending the summer in the, in Vegas and, you know, just talking to other people in the NBA that I know, just, I don't want to deal with the, the, the politics like that become behind it. Like, you know, like it's just, it's too much politics, you know, and it ain't really about basketball, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I just really want to grow this girls stuff that we're doing. Like I really wanted to grow. Like I really wanted to be something special and I like, being in charge and I like coaching. Like there's nothing like being in charge and being coaching and not being underneath somebody. Um, it does run through my mind that maybe I should go back and get my degree and I should finish school just because, just because you never know what could come about of it. You know, mm-hmm. like who knows, like I may get a big time job off right of school or something, who knows, but I don't want to limit myself in a, in a way, you know, like it's better to have the degree and not need it. Yes, sir. Than need it. And not have it. And I have it. Yes, so that's how I look at it. So it's like, you know, even if I chip away at it one or two it. classes here for a couple of years and, you know, I just get it done, you know, and it always reminds me because my college coach at Quest, he always told me, he was like, I didn't have a degree till a few years ago. He said, I was 38 years old. He said, I'm sitting in an 8 a.m. class, history class at Western Washington with 18 and 19 year old kids trying to get my degree to finish so I could coach college basketball. So, so right, school ain't going nowhere. Yeah. yeah, he's like, so just finish. He was like, you need it. He's like, it's better to need it and not have it, you know? Yeah. But so for me, the goal is really to just grow this. Like, I really want this to be something special. You know, I really mm-hmm. want to be like, you know, I look at other people in the game and, you know, you want to be a legendary program. You want to be mm-hmm. remembered like in y'all area. You want to be cow stars on the girl mm-hmm. side, you know? All that stuff, man. So talk about growing the game and now you're on the girl side, boy side. You've done both of your development. What would you say? I mean, we know the differences visually, right? But just, I mean, some more stuff from coaching boys and girls. I mean, what, you know, because my, my concepts is, you know, different as far as girls and boys early on, especially girls are so quick development as far as IQ-wise and don't rely on athleticism. But what are some of your takes on the differences between boys and girls in the, just the game period? I mean, I, I look at it, I look at them as basketball players. I don't treat them any differently. Yeah. So I, I don't say like, Oh, she's a boy, or he's a boy. He can do this. She's a girl. She can't do that. You know, I feel like, if besides Duncan, like you guys can play the same game. Like it's just it's not going to be as athletic. That's the only thing. And that's why I tell people all the time is that the reason why they, the reason why girls miss some of those layups a lot of times is because a boy he's just going to dunk it. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, you got to go through the contact. You got to finish over the length. Like, mm-hmm. boy, you're just jumping over the rim. But as far as the game, like I, I think the game is the same. I think it's played. 
honestly, the girl, the women's game, women's girls, whatever, girls basketball, women's basketball, it's more fundamentally sound than the boys game. It's way more fundamentally sound because you can't rely just on straight athleticism. So you have to be able to execute. You have to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. And the girls that you see that are really skilled, they really stand out. Mm-hmm. Like you really stand out. Whereas on the boys, sometimes even when you're really skilled, that athletic freak can kind of overshadow you, mm-hmm. just because he's more athletic than you. Yeah, that's real. Do you do you study? Do you do you? I mean, as far as just uh, again, kind of keep yourself on, uh, trying to stay relevant and you know up with the times that you said right. You already started that start same hand, same legs watching Steve Nash. How often do you study or go watch other players, or do you even watch other trainers? I'll say that because that's the thing I, I hear now. I see I watch other trainers too. I watch. I don't care. I'm trying to find the next thing or the newest thing. If I'm not doing it, I got to figure out somebody who's doing it or a resource for my kids. Uh, do you study and watch other guys or women? Do I every day? <laughs> every day. Shit, we on our phone all day. It's all on Instagram. I'm not going to be no hater. If you're doing something well and you're doing something good, I'm learning too at the same time. Mm-hmm. watch film every day. I watch games every day. Like, I watch basketball every day. Like, that's the biggest piece. Like, I, mm-hmm. and I try to get this across to all the kids. Just watch more basketball. You got to turn that tube on. You got to watch the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking to a kid the other day at training. I'm like, man, do you know this girl? Do you know this girl? Do you know this girl? Do you watch her play? Mm-hmm. She's like, no. I'm like, well, they're all small, fast guards, just like you. Similar. And they're all playing high-level basketball. Mm-hmm. So you should be watching them play right now. You're a girl. You should be looking up to them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just watching more basketball. But I watch basketball every day. Um, I, try, I try to always remain a student. I just feel like I'm always going to be a student. I'm always learning. The game's always growing. So, for me, it's like once I feel like I know it all, you know, I just feel like I need to walk away. Mm. I need to get the game up like because you know everything. You know it all. That's what's up. That's what's up. So before we get out of here, um, again, based on your story, man, ups and downs, good, bad, what kind of advice outside of people who you've been working with all regularly, right, would you give the people, the kids, anything about just in this business or in the, the game of basketball at all? It's, it's on you. I mean, the first thing first I would say, and this I tell this to everybody now, the biggest thing I would say is accountability. Mm-hmm. Like, have accountability. Be able to say, I was the reason why I didn't do it or mm-hmm. – I was the reason why this be able to point the finger at yourself rather than sit here and finger point and finger blame other people. I feel like you'll be able to move on with your choices and your decisions in your career a lot faster when you're able to accept things for what they are or whatever it is. Like when you have the accountability, it's a lot easier to move on from situations. Um, the second part of that, I would just say is that every day is a dedication to your craft. Like you got to continue to work and work and work at this. And working on it sometimes doesn't always mean going to the gym and picking up a ball and shooting. Sometimes it means studying your playbook. Sometimes it means going and getting in the weight room. Sometimes it means going and getting some conditioning in. Sometimes it's going and watching film of yourself. So, I mean, it's just it's being dedicated. And then the last part to me is the biggest part of the whole piece is confidence. Like, you got to have the confidence in yourself. You got to have the self-belief in yourself. Like you got to be confident in yourself. Like before people showed me love and gave me some acclaim and, you know, wanted to talk to me, I always believed I was a good trainer. I always believed I was the best trainer. I might not be the best trainer, but I believe that mm-hmm. and I believe in myself. And that self-belief is the biggest part to this whole mission and this whole journey. If you got the belief in yourself, then you're going to will yourself to do anything because you already believe that it's done before it's done. Like, and it's going to happen. 
That's for sure. For sure. Like self belief, man. Cardiac, for sure. Appreciate you, man. Uh, appreciate your time. Keep grinding, man. Like I said, when this is over, I said, I'm definitely making sure I've been up to Seattle a few times. I, I'm stopping through this time, hitting the link button for sure. I'm going to come check you out, for man. Sure. And, 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 and rock yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. I think that the link up is important for us, man. Take care of each other and, and, and our kids, man. For sure. Need it no matter where we're at, bro. So I definitely appreciate you, man. Keep grinding, bro. And if you need something down here, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it happen as best as possible. You in sack, right? Yeah, I'm in sack, bro. So you just you gotta hit me. Man, it's good. I need to get the sack. I need to hit fixings, man. That's my <laughs> hey, we didn't we didn't got a couple more spots for you, brother. They, we we didn't we didn't build up a little bit out here, man. So you come out here. I got you. We gonna we can rock <laughs> for sure, man. Take care, man. I appreciate you, bro. All right, thanks. I'm right, have right, a good man. one, bro. Oh, anytime, I do appreciate you. You too. Lay. All right, man.